Lecture topic. Guidelines for Nasheeds and Nafs. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Wa kafa. Wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi al-ladhin astafa. Amma ba'du fa'audhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. قل إن كنتم تحبون الله فاتبعوني يحببكم الله ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم والله غفور رحيم صدق الله العظيم Most respected students of deen, mothers and sisters The last discussion was around the Mubarak Seerat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Listening to the Mubarak Seerat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, listening about his Mubarak life, is a very great ibadat. Speaking about it, listening to it, reading about it, and even within the limits of Shariat, Listening to some Naat Sharif, for example, this too is a very great thing, but as I mentioned, within the limits of Shariat, many people are very, very into listening to Naat Sharif. Naat Sharif is what Naat, Naat refers to is the praises of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So the praises of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa to listen to this, to recite it with love, with muhabbat, is an ibadat, obviously an ibadat. Allah Ta'ala has ordained upon us to praise Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa in the sense that we should be sending durood upon him. So this is not durood sharif directly, but in a sense this is also in the same category below it. Because this too is praising Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But everything that might have some basis in deen, might have virtue in deen as well, that virtue in deen is based on doing it the way deen has permitted it. To perform nafil salah is a very great ibadat. So at the time of Tahajjud now, it is a very great ibadat to perform Tahajjud Salah. But now somebody says, look, it's Tahajjud time. It's such a great Mubarak time. The du'as of this time are so accepted. And now Salah at the time of Tahajjud. And then on top of that, the greatest part of the Salah is the Sajda. Because in Sajda, now a person has put his head onto the ground in front of Allah Ta'ala. And in the Hadith Sharif it is mentioned that the closest that a person comes to Allah Ta'ala is when a person is in sajda. So now the person is thinking to himself that subhanAllah I got the opportunity today, I woke up, it's tahajjud time and it might be some auspicious occasion also. And then now I'm in salah and then I got the opportunity for sajda. I made two sajdas already and Mashallah, I got such a wonderful feeling out of it as well. I'm not feeling fully satisfied yet. I'm going to make a third sajda. And after the third sajda, then the person felt, I'm not still fully satisfied, so I'm making the fourth sajda. Now the same rakat, end of the first rakat now, 
person made one sajda and then two sajdas and then three and then four and then five and feeling now I'm going closer and closer to Allah Ta'ala. Why? Because I'm making more sajdas and obviously sajda is such a great ibadat. And then in sajda the person is making dua as well which is something we should be taking advantage of and should be doing. But obviously only the duas in, of the Quran and Sunnah in the Arabic language and if we can learn some simple du'as and do it very consciously with the meaning in mind, even the simple du'as, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana, wa fil akhirati hasana, wa qina azab al-nar. Because we hear it so often, we make it often too, we take it for granted. Something that is unfamiliar to us, something that is very, very lengthy, unfamiliar, we will give a lot of importance to that. Obviously that has its importance as well. But these simple du'as are very comprehensive. And they include everything. And after all, this is something in the Qur'an Sharif itself. Yet we don't take advantage of it in our special moments. Now in the sajda of the hajjud, the sajda of some nawafil, the time in sajda in nawafil can be used for du'a as well. Besides the tasbihat of sajda, then one should digress into du'a. رَبَّنَا هَبْلَنَا مِنْ أَزْوَاجِنَا وَذُرِّيَّاتِنَا قُرَّةَ أَعْيُنْ وَجْعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا so Everybody is concerned about their family, their children. So now this is a dua to make. Ya Allah, make our families, our progenies, make them the coolness of our eyes and make all muttaqi and make all pious and Allah fearing. Now this dua should be made in the sajdas of our nawafil as well. And likewise other du'as. So now coming back to what we were discussing. That this person is performing salah and then he's now in sajda and he made one sajda and two sajdas and then he's gone to the third and the fifth and he's thinking he's getting closer to Allah Ta'ala. But ask any mufti in the world that say his salah also got nullified. His salah is now null and void. He'll have to repeat that two rakats. What two rakats nafil he commenced. It all got cancelled out. And now this is not taking him any closer to Allah Ta'ala. Rather, this is taking him away. Why? It's taking him away. How can it be taking him away? Somebody might get very offended. Person in sajda, and then he's making dua, and this can be taking him away from Allah Ta'ala. How can this ever be possible? The reason for taking him away is that this is being done in contradiction to the way that Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi taught. So now in itself, sajda is a very great ibadat. In itself, that dua is a very great thing. And when this sajda and this dua will be done in the way that Rasulullah sallallahu has taught, within the limits of shariat, how deen has taught us, then this will take him at a very high speed closer to Allah Ta'ala. And when he will oppose the way of Rasulullah sallallahu and do it his own way, it's not the, the amal itself, it's the opposition and the contradiction to the Mubarak way of Rasulullah that will now make that same act become a means of getting distanced away from Allah Ta'ala. So coming back to what we were discussing, the aspect of Nath Sharif. So Nath Sharif, mashallah, when done in the way that is within the limits of Shariat and Deen, when done with the right intention, confined to the way that has been highlighted and outlined by the fuqaha and the jurists, 
Because everything has its conditions, it has its procedures. Then inshallah this will become a means of tremendous good, tremendous blessing. It will fill one's heart with great barakat and blessings. Will fill one's life with great barakat and blessings. But if it shifts from this, then it's going to become a problem. Shifting from this line, how will it shift from this? One is it can shift from this in the form of the words. In the time of Rasulullah some young girls, small children, not balias, little children, maybe five, six years old, now they were taught some things about their, uh, by their parents, their elders, so it was perhaps the day of Eid, most probably, or it was some other occasion, so they were sitting there and they were reciting some Naat Sharif, that's the reality of it, they were singing some praises of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And in the cause of this, now whoever taught the child what they taught the child, they were all new, they were all still coming in line. So somebody might have taught the child something, and the child decided it, and said, وَفِينَا نَبِيٌّ يَعْلَمُ مَا فِي غَدٍ This was one line in that poetry, in those ash'ar, in that Naat Sharif, that that child recited. This is in the Hadith Sharif. So now this child recited this line of poetry. What this means? That among us now, in out of praise of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa among us is a Nabi who knows what will happen tomorrow. Now that is something exclusive to Allah Ta'ala. Only Allah Ta'ala knows what is in the future. In terms of those occurrences and events of the future which Allah Ta'ala himself has informed Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and which the Ummah also know about now, meaning much of which which Rasulullah has informed the Ummah also. So somebody says, I know this particular thing is going to happen in the future. For example, what's going to happen in the future? Qiyamah is coming in the future. Every mu'min knows that that's his iman. He has to have that belief on the day of Qiyamah. That's a future event, but he knows it's going to happen. Why he knows it's going to happen? Because Allah Ta'ala has confirmed this in the Qur'an Sharif, mentioned it in the Qur'an Sharif, Rasulullah has mentioned this as among the articles of faith that without this that a person's iman is not there. So now we all know this aspect of the future but why we know it? Because Allah Ta'ala has informed us via Rasulullah So like that Nabi had an ocean of knowledge of the future which he passed on much of it to the Ummah as per the will of and the command of Allah Ta'ala. But everything about the future Every minute aspect, what's going to happen to somebody tomorrow, that person will live or pass away tomorrow, how much he will eat, whether he will have a profit or a loss in his business, whether he will be healthy or sick, whether somebody will get married or not, whether somebody will meet in an accident or that will not happen, they'll get saved, whether what will happen, all this is purely in the knowledge of Allah Ta'ala. This is nobody else's prerogative. Nobody else has any knowledge about this. Only Allah Ta'ala has knowledge about it. Now that is our aqidah and that's our belief. And that we have to be very clear about. That that only Allah knows. In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala has spelt it out very, very clearly. Inna indahu ilmu That we have knowledge that Qiyamah is coming. No doubt about it. But the time of Qiyamah, 
that too is exclusive in the knowledge of Allah Ta'ala. And in this ayat Allah Ta'ala says, Allah alone knows, alone, nobody else, Allah alone knows when will Qiyamat come. Will Qiyamat come? 100%. We all know about it. But when it will come? Only Allah knows. إِنَّ اللَّهَ عِنْدَهُ عِلْمُ Allah alone is the one who brings down the rains. Nobody knows how much rain will come tomorrow, whether it will come or not. People have some estimates and have some, they see the signs. The weather bureau see some signs and they say, well, it's going to rain. Sometimes it rains too, sometimes it doesn't rain. They saw the signs. When they see the signs, now somebody sees the signs which are more clear than even if some child also makes that prediction. He sees dark clouds, it is going to rain. Then it rained after a while. Nobody says this child performed a miracle. He saw some clouds and he said it's going to rain. Everybody knows it's cloudy, then generally it rains as experience. So based on that, but sometimes it will be dark clouds and then nothing happened to. So likewise with some equipment etc. they see more signs which are already in the atmosphere. They make some estimates and some presumptions. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't happen because they miscalculated. But Allah alone knows the reality. And Allah alone knows how much rain will come, where it will fall, how beneficial it will be, or whether it will cause some harm, and what crops will grow as a result of that rain. And all the details that go with it, only Allah Ta'ala knows, nobody else knows. And what the womb contains, only Allah knows. That will this be a good child or a bad child? Will this child grow up to have iman or not? Will this child be obedient or not? What will be the outcome? How long this child will live? How much he will eat? Whatever his health conditions would be, every minute detail before the child has even come into this world, Allah Ta'ala knows. And only Allah knows. Nobody else knows. Nobody knows what tomorrow is holds for them, what they're going to do tomorrow, how things will unfold for them tomorrow. Nobody knows. Only Allah knows. Nobody knows which spot on earth they're going to pass away. Only Allah knows. So now there are certain things which are exclusive in the knowledge of Allah Ta'ala. So we cannot mix this line. That has to be kept exclusive for Allah Ta'ala, what is exclusive for Him. Allah alone gives life. Allah alone gives death. Allah alone gives risk. Allah Ta'ala alone gives health. Allah alone gives sickness. All these things are alone, the exclusive the exclusive attributes of Allah Ta'ala. So in any case, knowing that this is our aqidah now, now coming back to that line that that child read. So that child now, as a child, doesn't know the detail of anything yet. Somebody just taught the child who was also just new. And this child recited this line, وَفِينَا نَبِيٌّ يَعْلَمُ مَا فِي غَدٍ Among us is a Nabi who knows what, the, what tomorrow holds. So Rasulullah immediately stopped her and said, leave this out. The rest that you were saying, okay, go ahead with it. This cut it out completely because this is wrong. Now, that's the lesson that we need to, we were discussing. That one is it sometimes goes off the line in the wordings. Or the wordings are sometimes bordering on shirk. Sometimes we just heard something somewhere. It sounded nice. We started repeating it also. We don't know what we're repeating. Because it's not in the language that we're familiar with. We don't know the meaning of those words. But that word wording was shirk. Sometimes clear shirk. 
One person overheard his child just humming something. Now she, or he, whatever, they heard it from somebody else and they just picked it up. And nowadays they're hearing it, everything, they got their own devices. So now everybody is just picking up anything from anywhere and everywhere. And the devices, which are for most people, unfortunately, a combination of vices, all kinds of vices. And it's destroying their being, destroying their akhlaq, destroying their future, destroying, getting them involved in so many wrongs, taking them far away from Allah Ta'ala. So we need to become conscious about this. We need to make tawbah, istighfar, and we need to make amends from all this. In any case, so now this child was just humming something. Father was familiar with Urdu, he was an alim. He heard and heard again properly, where you picked this up, where you heard this. She said something, wherever. But the wording was shirk. Now, can you imagine that child is picking up shirk and repeat now, that thing sounds nice, so I'm going to read it over and over again. Every now and again you're humming it. Even subconsciously now playing around something and that is just involuntarily now getting played on the tongue, so to say. But what gets played on the tongue is affecting the heart. And what is listened with with the ears is also affecting the heart. So now this line of shirk. But it sounds nice. So now something sounds nice, does it mean it's nice? Everything that looks nice, does it mean it's nice? Some things look nice, but they are far from nice. Very, very far from nice. It might look nice from far, but it's very far from nice. It's not nice at all. It's the total opposite. So now, this is the one part where things go off the track. So now we have to be very, very conscious and very careful that if we don't know the wording, what's the meaning about it, then don't just take chances because we heard it somewhere. Unless we heard it from somebody authentic. Somebody who is an authentic alim or is his compilation. Then now even we didn't understand the meaning fully, but we can have trust and reliance in the authenticity of the person. Then very good, alhamdulillah, no problem. So that's the one very important and crucial aspect, the wording of the Nath Sharif. And then the second thing is that the fuqaha have stated certain conditions for the recitation of Nath Sharif, etc. Now without getting into the technicalities, without getting into all the detailed aspects, this is just now going to summarize it into just one, two main points. Since we are dealing with students of Deen in a girls' madrasa, so now therefore this is going to be primarily the basis on which this, this summary is coming in. There's a very, very fine line between listening to a Naad Sharif out of muhabbat for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Now listen very carefully please and not misunderstand this and also understand it very well. So there's a very fine line between listening to a Naad Sharif which is above board in terms of its wording and whatever else might be applicable to it, it's above board in every other respect. But there's a very, very, very fine line between listening to a Naad Sharif out of muhabbat for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and between nafsaniyat. Sometimes that Naad Sharif is heard, it's heard purely out of wanting to increase the muhabbat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa in our hearts. And then that doesn't stop there because muhabbat, muhabbat is a force. 
if there's truly muhabbat, muhabbat has a driving force within it. We don't need to elaborate on this. And Allah forbid, sometimes the it's a wrong example, but that's the example which people seem to understand better. So therefore that example doesn't mean to endorse anything. It's just to make us understand what we're talking about. But then to apply the lesson in the right place. The people get caught up in haram relationships. Now they get so head over heels now that muhabbat came and sometimes they get a shock of their life when they come to the end of the road also. This has happened so many times because people now get in touch with all kinds of communication and social media and whatever else. And now somebody on the other end was thrilling them and they got caught up in the thrill. And then now when they finally, after a long roller coaster, came to the crunch, because of whatever the reasons are, they got a shock of their lives. Sometimes it was three times their age. Sometimes it was some other issue. Sometimes when they just came right at the edge of it, they realized this person is thrilling another five people also. Now, this is what I'm getting at is that despite all that deception that takes place, but people get so caught up now in that interim period, what not they do and what not they are ready to do. What not they do in terms of risk their lives sometimes. They risk their deen and iman which is the most serious matter. Life, life is going to go one day. They are even prepared to give their iman up for the haram relationship. And they pre- if they prepare to give their iman up, then sacrificing their parents, sacrificing family, telling everybody else to get lost as they say, what does that mean? That's like nothing. That's by the way now. Because they're so caught up in this that Nauzubillah they're ready to risk their lives and worse than that, they're not even concerned about their iman and their deen. Then what are they going to bother about anybody else around them? But now the question is what makes a person do that? What drives him to that point that anyone and everyone who did how much and whatever and no matter what the situation and circumstances are he can't be concerned about anything around him. She can't be concerned about anybody around her. She says her parents start threatening them just to now keep them subdued. These are unfortunate things which, well, not that people necessarily mean it to, but now to use it as a weapon. That if you're not going to allow me to do what I want, I'll kill myself. I like a plaything. What kind of language is Is this a language of a mu'min? Is this a language of somebody that has iman in their hearts? Is this a language of somebody who is conscious that Allah Ta'ala is listening? Allah is aware? And that life is not going to remain forever and going to lie in my cover? At that time, no haram, illicit beloved is going to come and do one thing for me. In fact, they'll spit on my corpse and run away. Because, say, of no use now, somebody else. Because haram relationships in dunya also will come to a dead end of, of disaster. And even on Qiyamat, in the Hadith, in the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala says, Al-Akhillahu yawma idhim ba'aduhum li ba'adin aduwun illa al-muttaqeen. Any relationship based on haram, on the day of Qiyamat, there will be arch enemies of each other. And each one will be cursing the other and telling Allah Ta'ala, Ya Allah, give that person double azab. So he will be saying, Ya Allah, you give her double azab. And she will be saying, Ya Allah, you give him double azab. 
Now, is that muhabbat? Is that called friendship? Where they'll be cursing one another and asking Allah for double, to give them double azab? So any haram relationship is going to end up in disaster. In dunya and worse in the akhirat. So now the point that we were discussing is that one is somebody listening to some Naat Sharif purely out of muhabbat for Rasulullah as a result of we digressed onto another point the aspect of that muhabbat is a force that muhabbat is a force that force, how that force, what a force it is this example we took shows us what a force it is but unfortunately it got channeled in the wrong direction so now that force in the wrong direction was ready to topple anyone and everyone in his path but now if that same force gets channeled in the right direction, that force of muhabbat, the pure muhabbat, the pure muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala, the pure muhabbat of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and that gets channeled now in the right direction. Now when it gets channeled in the right direction, what happens? Now that person listened to that Naat Sharif, and that muhabbat swelled in his heart. When that muhabbat swelled in his heart, in his heart the first thing he now wants to start doing, he wants to start moving in some direction, because there's a force within him. So what he will want to move towards? He'll want to move towards pleasing Rasulullah Because that's what the force of Muhammad does. It wants to please the beloved. Now that person channeled it in the wrong direction, to please that haram beloved, he's prepared to slaughter everybody in his path. Because that's what it comes down to. He wants to please the haram beloved. But that's a disaster of a magnitude that we can't imagine. But now when you've got channeled in the right direction, now the person listening to that Naat Sharif, sincerely, with that pure intention, to increase the muhabbat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa then that force that will generate, generates an energy, that energy that comes into the heart, as a result of this Naat Sharif, this energy now wants expression. And that expression is going to be of how and what can I do to get closer to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And what is in my way which is becoming an obstacle in reaching there, I need to move this energy now wants to push that out of the way. Now that is the effect of listening to a Naat Sharif which is within the limits of Sharia, all the conditions are being fulfilled, but together with that, the very, very crucial and fundamental ingredient that it is being done purely to increase the muhabbat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And then that muhabbat must generate that energy which then wants to propel us towards getting closer to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And the manner of getting closer to him, naqshe qadam nabi ke hai jannat ke raaste, Allah se milate hai sunnat ke raaste the beautiful couplet of our Hazrat Shah Hakim Mohd Akhtar Sahib Rahmatullah Alayhi Naqshe Qadam Nabi ke hai jannat ke raaste that on the Mubarak footsteps of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam this is the path to jannat and Allah se milate hai sunnat ke raaste you want to reach Allah Ta'ala you will have to traverse the path of the Mubarak Sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam this will take a person to Allah Ta'ala so therefore now this is the point that we need to get deep down in our hearts that when listening to any Naat Sharif, what is motivating us to listen to it? 
Now, there are many, some very many young Nath reciters. And we need to be quite clear about this. There are many young Nath reciters. Many recite in a very, very melodious way. Many have many fancy things attached to those recitations which are not even in order. Some background things which now add to the melodious nature of that Nath. And many have admitted. So now this is not just on some hearsay. This is not just on some uh, guesswork. This is based on people who have written for advice for themselves. They're not talking about anybody else. They're not talking about any third party. People who have written for advice for themselves, highlighting their own condition and not anything isolated either. And we commend them, we highly commend them that they, they detected the shaitan inside. That they're asking for themselves that look, I listen to this Nath Sharif but then I feel something else in my heart. Feel what? Now the simple answer to what they are expressing is, and some spell it out, some inclination towards the reciter. Whereas the inclination was supposed to be the personality about whom the recitation is. Now this went in a totally opposite direction. This is something that Nafs and Shaitan hijacked. The Nath Sharif, mashallah, like a beautiful vehicle, wonderful vehicle, top of the range, more expensive than money can buy, and every kind of facility in it, forget a vehicle of aircraft, a jet of a magnitude that, or of a kind we can't imagine also. So now this person, mashallah, boarded that jet to get to a destination. But now somebody hijacked that jet and took him in a different direction and crashed him somewhere. So the jet, mashallah, is wonderful. The jet has everything. But if it got hijacked by somebody, we didn't give the control in the right hands. We didn't give the control in the right hands, they're going to crash us somewhere. So Nath Sharif, mashallah, is a ibadat. But if it's not in the right hands, it's not being done correctly, and then Nafs and shaitan hijack it, they'll go kasha somewhere. So, one is listening to the Nath Sharif, the wordings must be right. Number two, the very crucial and important factor, that it must conform to the requirements of shariat. Now sometimes there are some background sounds, somebody now says, but it's not music. Why is it not music? What's the definition? See, nobody was playing any drum there, nobody was uh, blowing some flute there, nobody was maybe stringing some other instruments, whatever. So there was no background music. So these sounds came from where? So no, no, this is computer, computer generated. So if the computer generates the sound of a guitar, for example, so now it was nobody stringing anything through buttons on the computer and the apps and whatever else. So there's a guitar now and there's another app that is now computer generating the sound of some drum and some other app is or the same app, all kinds of something is generating the sound of some, some other instruments. So now because it is computer generated with that drum and that guitar and that flute and that 
whatever other instruments they are would now become fine because it was not physically played but it was rather generated via computer will that make it permissible will that make it fine so it obviously will not be fine nobody will ever say that is fine so here the same things but are made very much more subtle it's made very much more subtle but it is not a natural sound it's a musical sound it can only be described and defined as a music musical sound now one is for example it's clearly the rustling of leaves for example or it's a chirping of birds purely that and that was even computer generated for example that's fine it's a natural sound it's not the mimicking of a musical instrument or it's not creating music through some other digital means it's purely a natural sound that is being amplified in some way whatever well and good so now that's another very important factor which now we just take chances we just take no precaution when it comes to our health it comes to our dunya then a person wants to be very cautious if he is making some investment in something he is consulting and consulting again so forget making some investments i buy one car he is asking here there do it a brand new car but he wants to know that you know this is right or that is better or this is better somebody is building some house he is consulting somebody is buying some shoes that do they phoning this auntie and that niece and finding out but will this be more comfortable or will that be right it won't hurt in some way and so many things we do to make sure we doing the right thing in terms of our dunya <coughs> but in terms of deen if something is going to affect our deen or not it doesn't matter this is fine somebody else said it somebody else did it doesn't matter who else said it is not right it's all fine we just go headlong into it now that's not the approach of somebody who's concerned about their akhirat <coughs> we have to become more conscious about our deen and more cautious about our deen so things that are borderline that are have some element of doubt in it we go by the rule when in doubt leave it out just stay away from it and then this very important and crucial aspect that we discussed about that the niyat and therefore if there's going to be even the slightest element of doubt in that as well or some concern that this might get hijacked by nafs and shaitan one should stay far away and in fact make that the rule don't try it out because when you by the time you started trying it out you already got caught up by the time you realize you were checking now will i get affected or you already affected so these young nath reciters etc and especially those who have some fancy ways of reciting and so on nobody is being condemned we are talking about ourselves we are not condemning somebody else if they doing what is within the limits of shariat provided it's being done within the limits of shariat that's good for him but it may not be good for you so it doesn't mean if something is good for one person may be good for the other because somebody's condition is one thing and somebody else's condition is something else so this is the approach that we need to adopt in this we need to become cautious and deen is not entertainment deen is not entertainment and deen is not for entertainment nath sharif is also deen is not for entertainment it is to build that love and muhabbat of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam so therefore we listen to some uh, nath sharif might be a good reciter it may be somebody young too 
But provided that we have no one single iota of doubt about our own inclinations, then it's fine. But otherwise, if we in doubt, when in doubt, leave it out. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala bless us with the true muhabbat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah ta'ala grant us the tawfiq of uh, following in the Mubarak footsteps of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and becoming his true and ardent followers in every aspect of life. وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جز الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ولمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت العز الأكرم ربنا توفنا مسلمين والحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا نداما ولا مفتونين اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان وحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم صلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين الحمد لله I've been using the word not sharif all along but it was important to also just add to it the word nasheed because this is the new terminology so this applies in fact what we're talking about to all the new nasheeds that are generally in vogue many many don't unfortunately conform to the requirements and then the very big dangers we spoke about was more out of these kind of things that people wrote to speak about their problem and difficulty it stemmed out of listening to these nasheeds this is where really the problem stemmed from so this applies anywhere and everywhere wherever the problem could be but this more so applicable this aspect of these machines, let us give us profit in the correct understanding.